Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the Unraveling Technology podcast. It's me, Joe Tonks, joined as ever by David Johnson and our special guest today, Dom the Don Harris. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you for coming on. It's been... uh, it's been tough getting you penciled in for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes. Have you had yeah. a busy few weeks? Yeah, it's university work. It's the last module now, so. Okay, uh, right. Yeah, so what form does that take? Is it a, a practical? Or? Uh, so it's a piece of work that we've been doing all year. We get marked on this one piece of work. All oh, right, uh, okay. It's a game we've got to make for the PS4. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. So we, so we, we do a, a dissertation, and for that they say don't make a game in a year. Mm. Uh, because it's really hard you won't have enough time uh so for this module they've said make a game in a year we're not giving you any help and use something that you've never used before right uh, <laughs> so okay. it's kind of a i mean we're we're in teams so it's a it's a group project but mm. it's it's a very very difficult project how big's your group uh there are three programmers and two artists can i ask what form the game takes is it like uh is it what sort of game is it any game we want really so okay. ours is kind of pac-man-esque uh but with the playstation vr headset oh right okay um, so the person in the headset chases the three other players mm. um and the th- players can see themselves on the tv screen the person in the vr can't be seen by the players but uh can see them so ah. uh, so the if the person in vr walks under a light then they are shown Right. Uh, so the players can kind of see where they are. And then there's a big cross that appears where the um where the Yeah, where the player dies, there's a big cross shown so the other players can see that uh, okay. the hunter is there. Um, right, okay, yeah. I know that's kind of a I know this sort. That's that's yeah. good. That is it reminds me just offhand thinking about it like that Wii U game. The, uh, uh, Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was Was that an inspiration? Yes, it sorts? was. I really uh, like that kind of sort of a, a team that's got some information and another player that's got other information yeah. versing versus each other. Yeah. Mm. It's like, um, have you ever played uh, Keep Calm and Nobody Explodes? Or I've got it. Called? I've really wanted to play it for so long, but yeah. uh, I, I do have it. I haven't played it yet. Have you, have you printed off the manual? Uh, not yet, no. Oh, you need to get yourself a proper hard yes. copy. So yeah. we, we played through that and you mm. printed off like and, and put in a folder this manual for playing this game yeah Do you wanna... uh, yeah so it's uh i think it's it's an oculus rift game isn't it or it's, it's vr enabled yeah. so you've got one person who's got the the headset on i don't think we didn't have a headset when we, we played it played it off a laptop screen we had okay. one person sat so instead of the person with the yeah. oculus the headset on which yeah. which you know is, is like sensory deprivation essentially yeah. all you've got is what's on the oculus uh, the way that we did it was we had someone sat in front of a laptop with a sheet thrown over them. So <laughs> they were like in this little, little tent with a laptop. Yeah. And then you've got everyone else who's sat there with this needlessly complex uh, bomb D... D well, not, what's the word? Diffusal. Manual. So first of all, the person who's got the Oculus, they've got the bomb there. They can rotate it in a 3D space. And they can say, okay, I'm looking at, it's like three switches and one of them sort of orientated like 90 degrees this way. And the, the people with the with the documentation have to find the relevant page and go, okay, right. And it's, you know, all these conditions, like if the first switch is turned this way, then this, unless yeah. this, yeah. press this button. Yeah, it's Stuff like 
I've got some wires here. Okay, how many wires? <laughs> what color is the third wire? And mm-hmm. okay, now you want to clip the fourth wire, but only if it's black. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of and only ifs. Yeah, yeah. So I've got it for my daydream headset. Okay, uh, right. Yeah. So they brought it out for that recently. It's, it's so. gone mobile now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. There's a there's also a space team, which is kind of in a similar vein. If you've ever played space team, I don't think I have. So that's uh, I think it's on Android, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. we've played it on across Android. It's uh, basically you're all passengers on this spaceship, or no, you're pilots on a spaceship, and you all use your different mobile device, and everyone has a different control panel. So and they've all got knobs and gears and all sorts, and they're all named ridiculous things. Yeah. So you got the the flangenator, and it'll be like a little little nozzle that goes between like zero and five. Yeah. And everyone receives little instructions across the top of their their dashboard, but it won't pertain to anything on their dashboard. It'll be for okay. someone else's. Yeah. So you got all these people screaming at each other because everyone gets these rules, these commands simultaneously. So yeah. increase the, the... the commands sort of have a countdown on them, mm. and every command that you fail to do by the time the countdown happens will cause your ship to blow up a little bit more and get okay, a yeah. little bit more destroyed but as is classic with these games there's always something to to get in the way or obfuscate it so while you're shouting over everyone else who's also trying to relay their bit of yeah. information while you're going turn the flange nozzle to seven you've got someone yelling another command and then you've got the there's a certain bit where your dashboard starts oozing gunk so you can't okay. see your buttons until yeah. you wipe the gunk out of the way or panels come loose yeah <laughs> or at certain points you'll 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 approach a black hole or something. Yeah. And then everybody has to rotate their device simultaneously upside down. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't do that, then that's a penalty and it just wow. gets gets ridiculous. Yeah. So that's it's good, great. That's free. That isn't it? it is free. There's there's add ons you can yeah. pay for, but the base game is free. So if you've got a bunch of friends with mobile phones, that's that's yeah. a fun way to spend. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also just talking about these sort of like social games you can play in strange ways. Have you played any of the Jackbox games? I don't think I have, no. Okay, well, that's, that's yeah. cool as well because that's based on mobile devices and everyone's got mobile devices. Yeah. But you can, anything with a web browser, you could use a laptop. Yeah. Uh, there's probably even watches that can run browsers. You <laughs> can play it on a watch yes. if you want. Yeah. But you'll connect to a certain service, so jackbox.tv. Yeah. And you join a lobby that's got like a, a three or four digit numerical, alphanumeric code. Yeah. And it'll be quizzes or games like we have to design t-shirts and then come up with slogans. So, okay, so you come yeah. with a load of t-shirts, come yeah. up with a load of slogans. They have to match the best to the best and everybody yeah. votes, but it's all done through mobiles. Okay. Yeah. You're all, well, you're all sat around in a room together looking at a TV most of the time. Mm. So there'll be information that's on the TV, but then all the decisions and things that you're making personally, you do off your phone. Okay, so yeah. it's, it's got that cool kind of social aspect yeah of all gathering around playing a game while yeah. also simultaneously having like hidden information and yeah. you, you being able to vote on stuff. and Okay. And they've slowly over the iterations made it so that it can be streamed on Twitch a lot easier as well. I see. So you yeah. can have people playing on Twitch and then everyone at home can just join up with their device yeah. okay. and get stuck in. Yeah. So that works really nicely. But anyway, the reason you're here, one of the reasons you're here <laughs> Is because you've done it again. He's gone and done another game jam. Yep. So we last had you on before when you just finished a 24-hour game jam mm-hmm. for your game, Coffin Dodgers. Yep. Which was a, a mobile game, wasn't it? Was. it? And uh, that was that was done right here. Actually. It was, it was yeah, where we're sat now. Yeah, and uh, that was for, uh, I think you were raising money for special effects? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, I think you did quite well. Was it 300 and... 
384 pounds. Yeah, Great. I still remember that number. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah. um, so this is, uh, is it is it Ludum Dare? Is yeah, Ludum Dare. Or Ludum Dare or Ludum Dare. Or Dare. Uh, it's, yeah. in theory, it's Latin, but I think the, the guy that first came up with it is, um, he pronounces it both ways, so. Okay, yeah. right. And it's the 38th episode of. Yes. Or, or, or Jam yeah. for Ludum Dare slash Dare. <laughs> Was there a theme to this one? Yes. So there's a theme every year. So the, the point of it is basically you get the theme and start making the game mm-hmm. uh, from scratch um, in 48 hours. Okay. So the so theme this double time the amount was, of time. Yeah. Easy. Yes. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you can only work as a single person uh, and right. have to create everything from scratch. Okay. And is there any uh, kind of moderation there? Is there? A, I mean, it's quite hard when you've got people uh, all over the world contributing. Yeah. So you have to upload your source code. Okay. Um, that's a, a must. So everybody can see what you've done. And it's fairly common practice to also upload a time lapse. Right. Um, so okay. people did, can see what you've, did you've you, done. Did you upload a time lapse? I did upload a time lapse. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I missed that. I missed the time lapse. Okay. Yeah. It's just at the bottom of the page, I think. Okay. I did. I did uh, see your sort of post. Um, yeah. Uh, well, basically talking about the process afterwards. Okay, yeah. So uh, this this year you've created Pixel World. Yes. Yes, which uh, is... Uh, I've, I've been following it because you've got quite Twitter active recently. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been trying to kind of increase my following a little bit mm-hmm. and post some fun fun game dev stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've posted slightly less the past couple of weeks because of uni work, but sure. yeah. No, it, it looks good. Have you have you played it, David? I haven't. No, I'm afraid I've not had a chance. So, Pixel Worlds. Do you want to give us the rundown of your what was your your, your concept uh, when you first came up with it? So, I'd originally thought like in the in the build up to it, I'd thought there were a couple of games that I'd, I'd quite like to make. I'd quite like to make uh, an arcadey type shooter, which is what I ended up doing. And the other one was uh, ridiculously out of scope. I wanted to do a text adventure for Google Home using Hue lights to. So it'd be oh what yeah. you mean so like uh, if you're in a cave then it goes yeah old. so you'd you'd say um, something along the lines of so you'd be in a room you'd say uh, explore the room or inspect that door yeah. or open the door or you know move left or something like that uh, and it'd, there'd be a set of instructions um, and it'd be a, an old school text adventure game mm. Uh, mm. but spoken at you with cue lights. Uh, but that, that was far too great. out of scope, and I don't actually think Google had released the API for Google Home mm. at that point, so that was that was out of the window. Uh, so I thought, yeah, this arcade type shooter uh, with a randomly generated map, so you can kind of replay it quite a lot, and it doesn't doesn't get boring because you you're not seeing the same thing every time. Um, and yeah, just something that you can pick up and play. Yeah. Uh, and I also wanted to be able to destroy the environment. Um, so I'd, I'd seen a couple of things on Twitter. There were a couple of people making really cool games, uh, and it's kind of a mishmash of a few things that I saw. And then the theme really fit. So I so thought, what well, was let's the theme? Just, the theme is a small world. Okay. Um, so it's a, a small randomly generated map, uh, consisting of pixels because that's all the art I can do because I'm a programmer, <laughs> um, with some nice bloom effects and camera shake. I did like the uh, bloom and the camera shake. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. It's very programmer art. The uh, actual, um... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the randomly generated environment. Yes. Was that hard to do? Was that something that you sort of you know, took a bit from here, from there, or is that? So it uses an algorithm called cellular automata. 
right? Uh, which I'd looked up because I'd seen, I'd, I'd kind of had had this idea in my head that I wanted to do. Uh, and there's, so Cellular Automata, what it does is you have a randomly filled map. So it's uh, zeros and ones. So zero would be an empty space. One would be a wall. Uh, and then it loops through the map and makes every uh, point in that map more similar to the to the point surrounding it. Um, right. Okay. So, so say you've got um, a one surrounded by three zeros and a couple of uh, ones, hmm. then it would become like the zero. So it'd become a zero uh, because there are more zeros than ones. Um, and it, it goes through the map like that. And you do that three or four times. In fact, I think I do it five times. Uh, and it, it gives you some nice big caves. Okay. Um, so you t- tend to get like clumps of yes. walls together yeah. and then clumps of yeah. openings. Yeah, so I, I inverted it. So usually it's done as clumps of walls so you can move around quite freely. Mm. I did it as clumps of... Uh, free space. Free space, so it was caves. Uh, it's actually the same algorithm that Minecraft uses to generate its world. Is that a fact? Mm. Yeah. That's um, great. Because a lot of... Uh, roguelites have become quite big recently yeah. uh, and uh i've just the, when the way you talk about it um i don't know if you've been watching any of the new um oh what's the series the uh, no clip no clip yeah that's the no, one i haven't okay it's um uh, oh i forgot his name danny o'dwyer yeah okay sort of a games journalist yeah. who's going around to producing these videos and he talks yeah. to some uh some of the creators of some recent uh indie indie sort of classics these yeah. games with kind of like hidden depths to them yeah. he talks a lot about spelunky okay yes yeah inspiration which yeah. yeah i've never really got on with spelunky that much if i'm I being honest played it. i'm really interested because it, it looks great but mm. i haven't actually played it so yeah. that that uses a bunch of kind of again it randomly generates the world which is a big deal with spelunky because you die very quickly and very yes. easily yeah um so being able to just kind of jump in again and get a, yeah. a different experience every time is yeah. a is a core feature of it. That uses, I think he builds. There's there's several different sort of pre-built little chunks of levels, okay, and then yeah. it sort of randomly assigns yeah. those levels with a bit of kind of if you're on the top level, it yeah. has to make sure that you know there's a route down to the bottom and yeah. things like that, but. Yeah, that's that uses some kind of hybrid of sort of it's not completely random, yeah. but it's a random positioning of these designed yeah. pieces. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I really liked the post mortem that you did on it. Actually, okay. So at yeah. the end, going through and saying, you know, here's what I did. Here was my approach. Yeah. Um, the first interesting thing was how you dedicated more time to planning, which I thought would be quite hard. You know, not knowing the theme until you yeah. did and all that, and uh, the the necessity. Of sleep as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of common in the games industry to to uh, it's called crunch time. So mm-hmm. basically, developers will uh, get as much work done as possible, but not sleep. Mm-hmm. Or so there are a couple of really um, big cases. So there was a game called La Noir. Oh yeah. Um, so the developer, so the producers there basically forced crunch on all of their developers. Uh, so they'd work 80 hour weeks uh, to, to get this game out. And it, they ended up doing that for years. Um, right. And Who was that? It wasn't Rockstar. It was, it was Bondi. Uh, yeah, Team Bondi. Team Bondi. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was eventually K 
kicked out of the door with help from uh, Rockstar. Yeah. Uh, so Came I, out it was kind well of a, game. Yeah. I like the game. Um, but it had so many... It was over budget. It was all of the developers had to crunch. And then some of the developers were even left off the credits because they <laughs> left the studio because they didn't want to deal with all the... This oh right! Crunch. Not just because someone um, forgot. Yeah, no, no. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of, yeah. We're we're taking you out of the credits because you haven't uh, stuck it out to the end, kind of thing. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So, so it's there have been a couple of big studies saying, well, crunch doesn't actually work. Uh, I saw one you referred to from like 2014 yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. So it it basically it's it's been found that it doesn't increase the quality or time spent on a game mm. um so it, it doesn't increase the quality or reduce the amount of time unless you do it because you want to um yeah you find that with modern games and the ease of updating them over the internet and just pushing out patches yeah. that quite a lot of them will just ship in kind of like a, a buggy state or with, yeah or even even games that they have to commit to disc to be shipped they yeah. they've got what are the no like known shippables so yeah yeah bugs that they're aware of but yeah. okay you can ship it on the proviso that yeah you're going to deal with this yeah so a lot of day one patches yes you see these days yeah no day one patches in pixel world though <laughs> no but that's because it's uh unfinished so i so oh, early access i think is yeah the term. yeah early yeah. access there you go um so i'm wanting to uh put it on the ps4 mm-hmm. uh, and actually release it i uh, saw that you've I saw that it says that you got it running on the PS4. Yes. So what's the what's the process like there then? Because are, uh, are you using Unity? Yes. Okay. Um, so generally getting things onto a console is a horrible process, but actually this worked, just worked straight away. So we got the right. got the license from Sony. Uh, we've got a development kit at Uni. Um, and basically what you had to do was download the right version of Uni and then uh, download the uh, Sony's plugin for it and run it then it just works so and how uh, much does that license cost if you're not um, university funded yeah i'm not entirely sure i haven't looked into it but to become a ps4 developer uh there are a few hoops you've got to jump through right um so i'm not i'm not entirely sure all the all the licenses and costs and things but Hmm. uh, it's not it's not something to do if you're just a hobbyist right okay then fair enough not that I've got anything to port or anything yeah. like that. I just uh, um, it's interested to know. So, so you download the plugin to Unity, and what does that uh, does that just upload it straight to a server? Uh, no, so, or? so you've got to have the PS4 dev kit and the PS4 dev kit tools installed, and okay. that does all the connecting up. Uh, right. But the plugin basically packages it into the right right format. Okay, right. Um, but I guess. Uh, although you can run it in some sort of debug capacity on PS4, with it, you then have to go through some kind of quality control to get it onto the actual store. Oh yeah, yeah. So you, it, from what I've seen, it's similar to uploading to the Android or iOS store, but mm-hmm. there are a lot more uh, checks and things. So they've got a list of technical requirements that your game has to, like, must re- meet, and that's. Because there was a yeah. game not long ago that someone released. I can't remember what it was called, but it was just a bunch of. It was like some animal simulator thing, like where you're a lion or something like that. And it got it got put on PS4, and it was awful. It was yeah. just. I don't so know the, how it passed QA, but it must have got. Yeah, it must have so, gone through it on technicalities. Like, well, technically yes. we did do this, or technically. Yeah. That. So they won't judge the quality of the game because that, I guess, is up to you. If you make a rubbish game, then it's not going to sell, and they kind of don't 
don't care because you're not making the money. So so we're talking more, it won't yeah. cause a buffer overflow and yes, crash the PS4. Exactly. So the, the, the tests you've got to do, like, um, so, you, you know, you've got to make sure that if another person tries to join the game halfway through a game, it doesn't crash the whole thing and things like that. So there are, there are checks and things to ensure quality. Right. If the actual game itself isn't particularly great, then yeah. I think they're... Talking about multiplayer, yes. you said that you were trying to keep yourself to a... Trying to keep yourself from feature creep, yes. which is common among, especially big budget projects. You hear yeah. a lot of with Kickstarters and early access yeah, things yeah. where mm. there where people think, "Oh, this would be great," and that just kind of generally bogs production yeah. down. But oh, I'll, just, I'll just add a new enemy quickly, yeah, uh, and like twenty <laughs> hours later, and you're still trying to hack it in. Uh, but yeah. you you resisted the urge to I feature did. creep some multiplayer into the game. Yes, uh, so it, we, um, and my housemate came in. I. I Wanted to test it quite frequently. So my housemate came in, um, came into my, because I was just doing it in my room. Yeah. Um, he came into my room, had a bit of a play and said, oh, it'd be really fun if uh, this was multiplayer. So, you know, you could uh, destroy the blocks underneath the player and have them fall down. And, you know, it, there'd be a few fun little things like that. And I said, oh, yeah, that that would that would be quite fun. And I'd, I'd made an input manager so you can take in a skeleton program so long as you upload that as well um so uh, i'd taken in uh a, a manager to get inputs from a controller okay um and it wasn't particularly robust but it worked and it accepted multiple players um i mean i guess but, at a certain point if would it could it be too robust to qualify as a skeleton program? uh they said so long as you've you've done it yourself and it's uploaded and freely accessible then you should be all right so okay. in theory i could have taken a terrain generator in but i kind of didn't want to push it too much right uh, yeah. I, I was happy with just getting controller input in there because yeah it, i quite like controller input so mm-hmm. uh, i'm definitely a console gamer right yeah uh, so I'd, I'd taken that in and it accepted multiple players and uh yeah i thought i i could i really could but there were balancing things and uh, there, there was just a lot that that would entail, yeah. Other than just having two controllers, um, so we are now because I want to release it on the PS4. I am putting multiplayer in it now with the same housemate that said it would be fun, um, and it's you know we've we've been working on it for a good while, and it's still not, there would definitely not enough time. It right. was a good decision to to leave yeah. it out. Oh, good on you. Yeah, is um, developing an online multiplayer. Is that anything that you've ever looked into? I've looked into it. It's not easy, uh, no. <laughs> as you'd imagine. I mean, Unity has quite a good multiplayer system, hmm. but um, it's it's definitely not not easy and not something that I'll be doing for this project at least. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, it, a... it it's hard. It yeah. looks like it would be fun, but. It yeah, take a, quite a while. I feel like there'd be quite a sense of accomplishment in managing to yeah get yeah multiplayer yeah uh, like online multiplayer get two people other side of the world connected up on this game. But yeah, yeah, looking at how it goes with a lot of multiplayer games, maybe maybe not quite that easy. Yeah. Mm. So will you be going into uh, Ludum Dare Thirty Nine? Oh yeah, I've I've decided it was it was just it was a lot of fun. Uh, I do love game jams, so I'm going to be trying to do as many of them as possible. So they're four times a year. Mm. Um, so you know, if I miss one, 
the next isn't too far away, but hopefully I'll be able to do it because I, I won't have university because yeah. I'll be finished. Um, so I should just be able to take the weekend and yeah, do and what do you it. need to do. Yeah. Have you got kind of a perfect game or, or something you'd want to, you know, unrestricted budget, what have you? Something. That uh, would so be your I've, ideal? I've started this big open world game. Okay. Uh, you might have seen on Twitter a couple of times. Uh, I don't was, know, actually. Uh, it, it, it's been a while since I last posted about it because everything else has got in the way. Oh, but, uh, I think I did see something about, was there a bow and arrow involved in a yes. stealth mechanic? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah I know that. Yeah. Uh, and tigers that. Uh, kind of bum shuffled around. It was quite uh, the that was a bug. It was a hilarious bug, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's now fixed. Yeah. Uh, so that was actually uh, one of the features in the uh, in Pixel World. Um, I I'd broken something slightly, and it made lots of explosions. And I thought, oh, that is actually quite fun. So I uh, <laughs> fixed it, attached it to a gem, uh, and it's now a power up. But uh, yeah, so this big open world game, um, I've wanted to do, I, I enjoy these sorts of games mm-hmm. and that kind of, it's a, it's a big project. It won't be, you know, it's not something that I can do in a year. And, yeah, sure. Uh, so it'll be like two or three years. I've convinced a couple of people from university that they want to do it as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> Have you got a so, working title for it yet? Oh no, not all. Um, okay. It is, it is just, I think it's saved on my MacBook as uh open world game um, game one yeah untitled yeah. dot game yeah uh so it's it doesn't have a title it kind of um so the the basic premise is you'd uh explore this open world there will be things to do and a story uh, i haven't quite got that far yet right. but uh you'll be going through portals so there's quite a lot of difference in kind for the hmm. levels yeah uh, so you know you, oh yeah the I main see the portal yeah so the main like... level so you'd you'd kind of have this hub world that would be sort of grassy plains, kind of what you'd expect from an open world game. And then you'd go through a portal and it'd be sort of lava or you'd go through a different portal and it'd be in the sky and you'd be walking on clouds and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it seemed like a fairly good way to, um, include lots of different kinds of levels. Uh, cool. Yeah. And, I originally thought of the concept because there were a couple of really nice free, uh, not free, there were a couple of really nice assets on the UD Asset Store. Mm. Uh, so there were these low-poly portals. Uh, there's this guy that's done all the low-poly animals. Uh, and it's just, it kind of, all, they all sort of fit together yeah. uh, into a nice visual style. Uh, and I quite like low-poly, the sort of low-poly triangle pixel, uh, not pixel, low-poly style. It's It's nice. It's, it's funny you should say that because I just thought, oh, I'll go on your Twitter just so that I can so that I can give a shout out to your Twitter handle so people can follow the development. Mm. And the picture right at the top is this big oh, yeah. sort of polygon-esque kind of landscape yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of a bit of art for the uh, for the game yeah. you're making. Okay. Uh, well, no, it's it's a picture that I took uh, while I was in Mexico. Um, oh, right, okay. From the top of uh, Tehotecutan, I think it's called. Uh, they've got some pyramids there, basically. It was from the top of there. Right. And I kind of stylized that and thought, well, I don't have a, a heading picture for my Twitter, so that'll do. You do now. I was going um, to ask where you find artists and, I guess, sound music, all, yeah. the, all the things that aren't programming. Yeah, so I really struggle with that because my uh, my friendship circles are all uh, computer uh, programming people. Hmm. And so it's the... 
uh, is the Unity Asset Store that I'm using currently. Um, I've not had a great deal of luck with programmers in the past. Uh, not programmers, artists. So this uh, PS4 game that we're making, the artists kind of don't don't always pull their weight as much as maybe mm. they should. Uh, I can understand that. Texturing's horrible. I don't like texturing are they, stuff. Uh, are the artists in your course, or are you drafting no, so, in people so uh, from the art department? Yes. Uh, so it, the, <laughs> our course is just programmers, and there is so that at Sheffield Hallam, there's the game software development course and the games design course. So the design people are the the ones who mess around with all the art stuff. Okay. And I've just not. Every time I've worked with somebody on that course, they've either produced really low quality stuff in at night and thought, yeah, stuff it, that'll do, or not produced anything at all. So, uh, I mean, that, I'm not saying that the whole course is bad. It's just my experience has not been particularly. Uh, Getting some good Sheffield Uni drama here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the, there's Sheffield generally... Hallam, a, Joe. Yeah. Sheffield, Sheffield Uni Hallam, is a different place. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. the, there's, a, there's a lot of drama between those two as well, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, well, of course. Uh, Always is. Yeah. Okay. So there's a bit of a symbiotic relationship between... Yes, the programming side of thing and the, the design. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's always there's always been a bit of uh, a, a bit of a clash between the two because, mm-hmm. well, finding people that can translate programmer speak into art speak is uh, is a task in itself. Uh, so when I I'd say okay, all of the uh, textures for everything need to be um, a, a size that is a power of two. And the uh, artists are like, well, no, we just want to make everything how we want to make it. Uh, uh, well, no, it won't go in the game if it's not if yeah. it's not this specific format. So who's going to sort it out? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, it it's quite an interesting dynamic. I suppose um, that's kind of the problem. It's like who's who's taking the lead? Who's who's seeing it as their project, or yes. who's seeing it as helping yeah. the other person? Yeah, and it's, it's coming to that compromise. Yeah. So that a lot of the bigger companies will have a proper. Uh, pipeline that they use so they'll have uh, people who make the art and that will all have to meet a certain specification before it can be put in the game when it's just a couple of people uh, and you're kind of going back and forth like no you need to you need to change this and they're like no well it's uh, it doesn't look as good that way and yeah it's collaboration who'd bother well yes (laughs) okay cool oh well we enjoy we'll look forward to seeing what you produce next yeah so uh, what have you what have you been playing recently? Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I finished okay. recently. Right. It's a it's a fantastic fantastic game. Mm. I, I I hear can't that from a lot of people. Enough. Yeah. It's interesting because so this is the one. It's like an open world kind of um, sort of kind of set in the future with robot yep. animals kind of things. Yeah. Did it at all uh, at all inspire your choice for your open world game that you're making? Or yeah. So I started it halfway through when I was playing Horizon. Right. And I was like the. So the stealth mechanics and the bow shooting are really, really satisfying. Right. Um, and I've found that in a lot of games that I play. So there's Tomb Raider and things like that that also have the nice, satisfying bow and arrow game. Mm. Uh, so that kind of influenced me a little bit. But uh, yeah, so it's... Yeah, big open world game. You shoot robot dinosaurs with the bow and arrow. I mean, what's not to like? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's uh, that's cool. Yeah, I've, it's quite... How long is it? Is it like... Because I've heard people talk about it and talk about it as in terms of like 30 hours or so. Or yeah, like so it's it's not a short game. Mm. Uh, I got all the collectibles and everything, so right. okay. uh, that made it even longer. But I think one of the... Somebody online had said something about 
what there's a specific thing you can do and it said wait till you've finished the main story and you're about level 30 before you do this well i was on the third mission of the story and i was level 50 the max level that you can be it's like oh okay maybe the rest of the game is going to be fairly easy it's not Oh, really? okay. <laughs> it really isn't that even where, the, yeah i can imagine you get to the next level and it strips you of all your levels assuming that you won't have leveled at all yeah no like, oh. no so it so it lets you keep everything okay uh, which is really good it's just all of the creatures are incredibly hard hitting uh and so you level up you gain more skills like you can slow down time when you zoom in your bow and things like that mm. um but they while they make it easier they don't make it easy Right. Um, okay. So all of the all of the creatures hit really hard, uh, detect you really easily, and things like this. So it's you've really got to think about what you're doing. Ain't an uh, easy game then. Yeah. Okay. So, right, so more of a if more you of a thinker. Yeah. If you sprint into an area and uh, underestimate all the enemies in there, then you're going to be killed by a you know level five. They're called watchers. They're these little velociraptor things. Right. Um. And you you'll be killed by that even level 50 uh, with oh, right. okay. the highest armor and, uh, oh, well, not not the highest armor because there's... Uh, there's some high the, armor. Uh, yeah, so the so it's kind of a, an end game um, armor set. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's very, very good and very fun. Um, but cool. uh, it that makes the game quite easy, but you can't get it until the end of the game. Uh, but quite quite a technically accomplished game from what i've heard oh yes yeah, yeah i heard something about like the cloud generation or something daft about how there's like engines for the way that the clouds look in the sky and stuff okay, like yeah. that so yeah it, it, it wouldn't surprise me it's a very very pretty game hmm. um i saw a very good kind of like overhead because you know how a lot of games tend to not render things that aren't in your field of view. Yes. So if you're looking one way, yeah. everything behind you is just not there. There's so, a bit of Twitter yes, drama yeah. around this, wasn't <laughs> I was there? just about to mention that. Was yeah. there some drama? There, there was, was, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I, I saw the gif, but I didn't know about uh, the drama. Developers basically said, well, that's really obvious. Every 3D game ever does that. Mm. And gamers went, well, I've never seen it. It was quite interesting. Why do you have to... <laughs> you know make tell me it's really easy in every game does that because that's it's just not nice it's like, what's, yeah. what's is that what is it actually called uh frustrum culling right um so it's basically everything that's not in the field of view of the camera so everything that's not seen isn't rendered at all or because why bother yeah. wasting the computer resources yeah, on exactly. stuff that the player's not actively yeah. looking at that's something yeah. you tried in pixel world wasn't it it is yes yeah. um so it ended up being that disabling and enabling all of the uh bits of uh terrain so all the all the walls uh enabling and disabling them cost way too much so it was i think there were twenty thousand spaces that could be occupied uh and so it was looping through all twenty thousand every frame right. which is a lot yeah that's, um, that's a whole bunch yeah so what it ended up doing was only looping through the ones that are around the player and turning the colliders on. So saying they can be hit in this area um, and everything else was off. So that ended up, yeah, I, I always knew that frame rate and performance would be a big issue with a fully uh, mm. destructible, randomly generated world. So yeah. it was kind of something that I had to, had to look at optimizing. Just uh, as an aside, one game that I've played recently is a game called Scanner Somba. Okay. Which is um, uh, it's by Introversion, who've made all sorts like Uplink, Darwinia, 
Defcon. Yeah. If you haven't played any of those. And uh, that the Prison Architect was them, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Prison oh, okay, Architect yeah. they've yeah. just made. Yeah, so uh, they've they've just done this game that started off as a game jam itself. Actually, yeah. it was uh, it was it's a game where you're in a cave system, but uh, all you've got on you. So this isn't in real life. This is just in the in the game that you've got like a VR headset on, yeah, and this lidar scanner thing that okay, shoots yeah. light points. So you basically you walk through this pitch black cave system. It's lots yeah. of ambient sound and everything to give yeah. you a sense of location, but to see anything you have to fire this lidar gun around yeah. and it puts these little these little colored lights everywhere that give you an idea of depth and yeah. the sort of a color gradient so everything very close to you is red and the okay, further away yeah. it gets until it's, it's you know sort of dark blue yeah. off in the distance and as you go through the game there's this additional add-ons for it so you can get uh, things that let you adjust kind of the, the the spectrum so you can shoot in a very narrow line and hit more yeah. points in front of you or broaden it out and get the whole room or yeah. there's the equivalent of kind of like a lidar bomb in a way that yeah. will just sort of like do a full scan of the area ahead of you. Yeah, but that was quite interesting from a technical perspective because when you kind of start the game, uh, you you know you're shooting all these dots yeah. and everything, but by the end of the game, which is about two two hours later, you can go you can see all the way back to where you started. You can oh, okay, see these yeah. dots off in the distance yeah. and you can you can even press a button which will show you a map, like a 3D oh, map, okay, yeah. a light map of, yeah. of where you've traversed from this little this little camp down below like, yeah. all the way up. And uh, it does it does kind of cause the you know your machine to struggle for a bit and yeah. and but it's it's very very good. It's quite yeah. an interesting use like in how it renders space as well because you, you, if you walk in a direction shooting the lidar gun, you'll, yeah. you'll catch all of the, all of the rocks and everything yeah. as you go past. But then if you if you get turned around, yeah, and you're looking back the other way, you can't see the you don't have the light points on the other side of that yes. rock. So suddenly yeah. you're like, huh, okay, I don't know where I was coming from. Yeah, very very good game. I'd recommend mm. it. Mm. I think it's like eight quid on Steam or something like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's just one I thought of. Played anything else? Uh, so I started Batman Arkham Asylum, I think the first one is. Oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah. No, never played those before? No, so I really enjoyed Shadow of Mordor. Mm-hmm, and okay. my housemate said, oh, you're going to love Batman then, because mm-hmm. uh, it's the same combat. I think, I, re- I seem to remember reading that Shadow of Mordor was originally going to be one of the Batman games. Right. Um, but was then, for whatever reason, turned into a Lord of the Rings game. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'll give I'll give this a, a try. It's fairly obvious that it's from 2008. Because uh, I remember when the shots first came out for that game, thinking this looks amazing, yeah. graphics wise at the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the remastered version that I'm playing. Okay. Um, so the the graphics are still nice. It it looks very good. The story's amazing. I do love all yeah. of the characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's kind of the the, fam- the infamous joke a bit, like yes, where the game resets or something like yeah. that. And, um, so it, all of that's really, really good. The gameplay, it's very obvious that it's kind of the first one that did that sort of mm. gameplay, I think. Um, so it was the kind of counter-based uh, combat. Yeah. And I mean, okay. does Assassin's Creed do that to an extent? Oh, it does, yeah, actually, yeah. Mm. But, okay, yeah. But I know you can't, I know the yeah. sort of thing, I, like, um, I remember playing Sleeping Dogs afterwards, yeah. and that had kind of a, you know, the enemy, you get like a little a tell above their head before they're going to do yeah. something and you have to press the counter yeah. button. It's... Um, so yeah, it was it was very obvious that it was the first time that they'd tried it at least. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd be, you know, midway through a combo and uh, would press the counter button and it wouldn't 
pick it up or I'd press the attack button and he'd jump off into the distance and punch thin air and I'd lose my combo and things like that. It just Are we yeah, confident started. this wasn't your own inaptness? Uh, <laughs> this is definitely the game. Not, not 100%. No, my housemates had said that there were a couple of times where it might do that. Right, okay. Um, yeah. And I don't particularly like the fact that the default speed in the game is really, really slow. Mm. So you've got to hold A to sprint everywhere, otherwise you don't get anywhere very quickly. Mm, yeah. um, they, it was just uh, There were a couple of little gripes that I've got with it, but overall the story is just amazing. And it's Mark Hamill's Joker, isn't it? So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Talking about known shippables, the, uh, what was it, Arkham, so it's Arkham Asylum, Arkham City in Arkham Knight, is yeah. it? Yeah. And that yeah. game, they had to pull from the store, didn't they? Because okay. I think when that game first came out on PS4, it performed yeah. well enough, but on PC, it just had oh, some horrendous yes. issues yes. and they had to yeah, totally pull that. the thing yeah. off the store. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I think it's out there now and it's presumably fixed. My brother's yeah. playing it and having no problems, he says. Okay. I'll, I'll probably play that at some point. I've, I've not played. I've played the other, the other three. So there's Arkham Asylum, which is really good. Arkham City, which yep. is, depending on who you ask, maybe better or maybe not quite as tight an experience as okay. Arkham Asylum, but a lot more features and lots of yeah. bigger scope than Arkham Origins, which was made by other people and shows. Yeah, that it was made by <laughs> other people. Was it? Was that Rocksteady or was Rocksteady the one who made it? So Rocksteady did Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and then they were making Arkham Knight and they weren't going to get that finished for a while. So I think Warner Brothers said, well, we need to to get another Arkham game out there. So they put another team on making Arkham Origins. And it's a bit more of a, it's more of an origin story, but it's just, it's not as well written or put together. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put it on the pile. Mm. Just, yeah, so my intention is to play through all of them because uh, I think two years ago I got Arkham Knight as a gift and uh, for my housemates and they said, oh, you know, we know you haven't played this one. I said, I haven't played any of them. Uh, so the next year they got, got me uh, the remastered edition as a gift and it's been another year since I've had any time to play them, basically. <laughs> so I'm, I'm intending to go through them all, but... Uh, I'm going to have to split it up with some smaller games in between. So I've got Symphony of the Night, uh, Castlevania. Oh, right. Um, on my list because I love the Castlevania games. Mm. And that is one of the best Castlevania games. And I haven't played it, so... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the PS1 one, isn't it? Yeah. Symphony of the Night. Yeah. No, I've only played one of the DS ones, like Portrait of Ruin or something like that. Uh, yeah. So there's... Uh, the My mum for my for for a birthday a long long time ago got me uh the ds1 uh dawn of sorrow so it was back in the sort of start of start of the original ds games might have been that one i played uh, was so, that the one where there's a secret ending where you go through a mirror uh the there's a power where you go through a mirror that's i don't remember yes yes there is yeah so yeah that's the one i yeah. played uh so it was the it had the stereotypical it's got to have DS in the title somewhere, so it was Dawn of Sorrow. Oh, yeah. And the uh, obligatory uh, used the stylus to do something in the game. Um, oh, yeah, because you drew sigils or yes, something, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, I, I got that. Uh, that was the second in the sort of mini series. So I went back and played the first one, played the second one again. 
then played a couple of the older ones, uh, so Castlevania and Castlevania Two, mm. um, and then I kind of I jumped between a few of them. I enjoyed Lords of Shadow, which were the was the big three uh, D one, uh, which most people say isn't really a Castlevania game, but I enjoyed it. Okay, uh, and then got the second. There was a three DS Castlevania game, so I got that and played that, and then went back to the original one because I loved it so much. Uh, and then there was the sequel to Lords of Shadow. Uh, I played that. Uh, so Castlevania's kind of been a big series for me. And I've I never played it. Symphony of the Night. Exactly, and that's the the kind of pinnacle of Castlevania, apparently. So, so everyone uh, says. Yeah. So Castlevania. I hope it lives up to the hype for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really Problem with going back to some of the old games is that. They were amazing at the time, yes. and yeah. some games still hold up, and some yeah. games really don't. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so yeah. hopefully that's that's good. Uh, and then so it'll be Arkham Asylum, Symphony of the Night, I'm Arkham like you've got, got City. Lined up in your head. Yeah. Well, I've I've got two other ones. I don't have time to play anything. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a terrible time to have a backlog. Gotta yeah. say. Yes. Definitely. Especially, I mean, just this year in itself has been horrendous. <laughs> yeah. With all the Zeldas and. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and all this. And Prey's just come out and. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's an awful lot. There is. Um, okay, cool. Well, I think we'll, uh, just because we're getting on a bit for time, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll just go and have a look at. Uh, we've, we've brought in a story as well in our. In our in our contract, it says we must bring up, bring up a piece of technology related news. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's see what we got. So this is one that David's brought in because I know that you are a you are a, a an avid reader of the Sophos blog, mm-hmm. the Naked Security blog, and you brought in a little article for us called "Listen Up." Is this really who you think it is talking? And it's talking about this API. Um, you want to break down an API for us? Uh, you're looking at me, not Dom the programmer. <laughs> Dom the programmer. Uh, Application programming interface. Yeah, is that so right? basically something that you can. I, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, it's kind of like a, a plugin. Yeah, so like so somebody's written a, a program and given you sort of hooks yeah. that you can connect yeah. into to use bits of that yeah, there you program. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, liar, liarbird is a, is a offering an API which will take a voice clip, so 60 seconds, about a minute roundabouts, of someone's speech. So it could take a random one-minute clip of this podcast and it will produce a computer-synthesized... It can use computer synthesis to generate speech, essentially, which mimics the... The sort of intonations and ways of talking of that person. So you assume you're listening to Joe Tonks right now on the Unraveling Technology Podcast, but this could easily be a synthesized voice courtesy of this Liarbird API. And it's interesting. So the example that they gave, they've, they've just released a few samples, haven't they? Mm-hmm. The samples include, uh, there's a little uh, presidential debate between... There's a little discussion between Barack Obama... Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, uh, with their likenesses. God, we all we all reckon the Trump one sounds the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Obama one, uh, there is kind of there's a lot of reference to it sounding like someone's got food in their mouth yeah. when they're speaking. There's, there's there's something not quite right there. I mean, they all but, they all sound a little bit muffled. Um, 
I think the Hillary Clinton one sounds the most like just computer yeah, talking. It the, does, yeah. The equivalent of Microsoft Samantha or whatever it Cortana. was called. Cortana. Cortana. I don't, I'm thinking. I'm thinking back further when it oh, used to there be. Was, you know, there Microsoft was Microsoft Sam. Microsoft ah. Sam, but whatever the female version of Microsoft Sam was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The just kind of. Yeah, it just it doesn't quite sound right. There isn't the right emphasis on the right words and just it's it's off but the donald trump one does kind of sound like you might be on a low quality line to donald trump <laughs> yeah and i think that's the thing low quality lines uh and you can imagine this being used in phone conversations to try and trick people so one of the things that they've uh, on their website liarbird.ai they've got a section which is their ethics statement and it says and i quote <clears throat> Voice recordings are currently considered as strong pieces of evidence in our societies, and in particular in jurisdictions of many countries. Our technology questions the validity of such evidence as it allows to easily manipulate audio recordings. This could potentially have dangerous consequences such as misleading diplomats, fraud, and more generally, any other problem caused by stealing the identity of someone else. So I've got to admit, interesting as this sounds, my first thought was I did go straight to the ethical kind of oh no oh this is good but this could be so bad <laughs> yeah mm. uh, would we would we care to brainstorm some applications of, uh, I of think... what you could what you could use with this so what people would use with this api so this talk of them licensing it out at some point yeah so people can do yeah i mean their their stance on this is hey this is really dangerous um potentially people getting a hold of this could fake other people's voices so we're going to give it to everyone so that everyone can fake everyone's voices if everyone can fake everyone's voices nobody can fake anyone's voices <laughs> and nobody can trust anything i often think about this i mean this is audio so i know it's quite a different thing but um at what point is video evidence going to be inadmissible in court well we've already covered i think i, I don't know which podcast episode but there's um somebody's produced a program that will kind of take an image of uh or video of somebody and then kind of edit it to make it look like they're speaking and will kind of lip sync in real time to audio that's fed in so yeah, okay. we have already talked about that you combine that so in in that case we were talking about i guess um people who are good at impersonations hmm can just kind of like sound sound like donald trump and also take a video of donald trump except it's edited so the his lips are sinking to whatever they want him to say in this case you don't need to be good at impersonations now you just write it out yeah yeah and find you know a couple of minutes they say say it needs like a minute's worth of audio to kind of get an idea but the more audio you feed it the better it gets mm -hmm. so these learning machines i tell you yeah yeah, it's it's not going to be too hard in the future to track down sort of famous personalities, get a bunch of audio, feed it into this program, and then just make a video that's apparently got them. You won't have to pay for the sat-nav plugins anymore that make <laughs> celebrity voices on your sat-nav. Yeah. You could just make your own. Yeah. So a couple of the things that I saw people saying it would be good to do with this is, uh, and I think one of the things they mention is audio books. Okay, yeah. So just hmm. think, you yeah. could get a bit of 
bit of Stephen Fry and then you can have him narrate. You'd want Morgan Freeman though. Or Morgan Freeman, yeah. They're saying as well, you know, immortalised David Attenborough as well, so he can continue to narrate all of the planet Earth (laughs) from now until the end of time. Video games. Okay, yeah. So uh, a lot of the criticisms about, especially kind of Bethesda games, so, you know, your Skyrims and Fallout is how you have a very small group of people doing a very, a lot of voices. Whereas if you could just take sample of a hundred people's voices yeah. and then just synthesize all of the t- all of the that would be really good actually that would also that would... help with things like well I, would, I assume it would anyway you know how we were talking about la noir earlier yeah and for that game I'm not talking about any of the development issues it had but it had this weird facial recognition or facial mapping yeah thing so a lot of that game was investigating crimes and trying to f- figure out tells from people's faces yeah, but I, that contributed to the game being as big as it was, and I think it came on three DVDs, and on top of being very expensive. Yeah. Whereas you could see, and this might not be a big issue for audio generally anyway, but if you could just improve, you could just include the the Liebird API instead of having to record all of that audio, you could have yeah. it just come out in real time, just feed text, so have a text generator that yeah. feeds the lines and then delivers oh, yeah. them in in human voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't know if this is real time or not. Maybe they have to take the text or take take what they want to say and then run it through some renderer mm. for 15 minutes beforehand. But still, something that could happen. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the right of publicity as well? No. Yeah, it's, it's a right. So I think it's a right we have. <laughs> uh, from the, from the Wikipedia, it says, The right of publicity, often called uh, personality rights, is the right of an individual to control the commercial use of his or her image, likeness, or other unequivocal aspects of one's identity. Okay. I think this is going to cause problems when people take a sound bite of Morgan Freeman's voice yeah. and start using it for their, their yeah. video dubs. Because, I mean, technically, Maud, Morgan Freeman's, if, if it's not... You could argue that a lot of people sound the same. Yeah. You could say, oh, this person sounds like this person. This person, this this text that we've got here, this line of dialogue that's said by a, a Mor- using Morgan Freeman's voice as the seed, but not actually Morgan Freeman saying the line. Yeah. At what point could you claim defamation or the it's, right of publicity? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting, isn't it? Because mm. you, like, going into back into video games again, you often cast voice actors when you're doing say a licensed game that's based off a, say a film or a tv show or something you often cast voice actors if you can't get the original actor you'll cast somebody who sounds like them but when it comes to actually using a sort of computer generated version of their face mm. a lot of the time they have to just create either a completely different character or just make the most bland clearly yeah. not this person <laughs> because they haven't got the the uh the license to use their likeness yeah mm-hmm. so i wonder i wonder where this is gonna kind of fall yeah there's also the, all the concerns about uh well people would say that for scamming social engineering is the best way of doing it mm. but uh and i granted if i call up i don't know my bank and say hey let let me into the account they're oh. probably i'm um, not so much the bank because that's quite impersonal but say uh, if i was to call an aunt or something you know yeah. call them out and say oh auntie i need some money can i have some money please just uh, just wire it well, to this account thank actually you. that's just reminded me that uh my um 
my bank have just said, oh, you can do away with your telephone ID uh, and we can just recognize your voice and that'll oh, do it. Really? Oh, so that, yeah, that would be, uh, maybe I won't set that up now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's like with the new Windows 10 updates. Well, I don't know if it was the new one, but uh, certain devices you can have that Windows Hello, is it called, where it'll un- unlock with a smile. Yeah. But so the the issue with that is you can just hold up a picture. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's the same. So I've got uh, facial recognition enabled on my phone, um, and you can just hold up a picture of me, and it'll it'll pick it up, which is, you know, slightly irritating, but it's mm. kind of worth it for the convenience of just being able to look at my phone and it unlocks. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I, I don't know. Actually, no. no. <laughs> That's not great, is yeah. it? I mean, a, a fingerprint, fair enough. Yeah. Because you have to physically be there, but a picture of you? Mm. I'm sure somebody, Samsung or someone, has talked about, like, blinking at your oh, phone or yes. something to unlock yeah. it, which I guess kind of works around the sort of... Now you don't have, can't just do it with a static picture, but probably not that hard to do with a video yeah. file or something. Yeah. What about winking? Just wink it. <laughs> Yeah. And it unlocks. Or or you blink at it and it unlocks normally. Yeah. You wink at it and it unlocks in a special way. You know, like those things where <laughs> it's like... Factory resets it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when you're, when you're being held at gunpoint and they're like, oh, unlock the phone, you can just go, oh, wink. It's like that old thing about how if you put in your, if you put in your PIN number password uh, backwards at the ATM, then it will instead call the police instead of giving you your money. Yeah. Yeah, which wouldn't work. Don't try it. <laughs> Cool. Uh, last thing I've got left is the Kickstarter of the week. You might have heard of this one. Um, have, you, have you heard of that? Is it Mocase? M-O-K-A-S-E? No I saw one. it on the news this morning, um, actually. It's the first I've heard of it, but then I've, I've seen it pop up a bit more since I've been investigating it. What a week it's been for them as well. Mocase, your mobile phone cover even makes coffee. <laughs> So I've uh, it's uh, let me I'll show you a picture of it and we'll put one up on the podcast. There's a little bit of it. So it's quite a chunky case that sits on on your phone, compatible with all of your various Samsungs and iPhones. And they seem to be pouring a thin stream of brown liquid out of it into a cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So we talked. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about the Juicero machine. Have you heard about that, Dom? The, no. The five hundred dollar sort of juice pressing machine this massively over engineered piece of technology for technology's sake yeah and just when you think technology for technology's sake has been <laughs> said enough yeah here comes the i think i'm gonna, I'm gonna say mocha mocase it might be mocassi mm. anyway it's the first multi-utility cover that supplies espresso coffee whenever and wherever you want <laughs> now it uses it's it's quite to look at it, it does like a little 3D uh, pan around thing so you can look at the, the depth of the case. It doesn't massively increase the depth of the case, but to be honest, you're not getting a lot out of it. Yeah. So it uses these little uh, disposable wafer things. That's how it refers to them, wafers. Yeah. So you just slot one into the side of the phone and that's kind of a little sachet and that's got the, it's basically got the coffee in there all ready to go. Yeah. So the action of loading up the app that comes with it pressing the make coffee button <laughs> i i'm guessing it bluetooths to the actual to, to the case yeah and heats it up and then it just deposits it into into a cup this okay. this does not sound easy <laughs> no it doesn't in fact uh, there's a little bit of um there's a bit of 
napkin science done to estimate uh, that I found done by someone online who was estimating that to get your phone from its, you know, kind of ambient temperature in your pocket of maybe 30 degrees or 25 to 30 degrees Mm. up to the 80 or 90 degrees that you'd need to get to, to produce a hot espresso, it would be about the same amount of energy as a AAA battery. Uh, or maybe even more. So you're looking at about 20% of your phone battery to be able to produce. So it goes off the heat of the phone itself. Well, no, I think okay. it delivers phone, it delivers heat from the battery okay. to yeah. the case. Uh, but still, Which your phone is sat in. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like sound it, like a... It has to deliver 500 joules or something like that of heat. I don't know. I'm not a science man. <laughs> uh, but it does say on the page that uh, they've it's it's okay because they've done the math so okay. Throw your money at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh also it's, it produces 25 milliliters of of liquid, which is actually less than an espresso. I think an espresso is 30. <laughs> <laughs> and uh 50 euros for the privilege. Right. It it would be you know, it would be something if if they could produce it, but unfortunately, um, it went on Kickstarter for about three days, and then Kickstarter uh, suspended it. <laughs> okay. They did put up a backer, um, a backers update, which says, "Hi, given the positive feedback we've received in recent days, we've decided to suspend the Kickstarter's crowdfunding campaign and begin production in a few weeks." So. I know, and begin production in a few weeks. It will be possible to buy it direct from our website, mocase.it. But there's a bit of speculation about the wording and the way that it was suspended and how actually maybe it wasn't them choosing to suspend it voluntarily and maybe it was done forcefully. I don't know why. I mean, there's awful Kickstarters all the time. I don't know why you could pinpoint this one specifically. It might be something about the way it's advertised, so... It doesn't technically make you an espresso. It heats a sachet of espresso. Maybe it's considered yeah. misleading. But again, I could think of so many Kickstarters that you could call misleading. Mm. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it, it's 50, 50 euros. And oh. uh, if you want, if you get one of the higher tiers, you can also get with it a cup, <laughs> which um, a little um, collapsible cup that doubles as a key ring. Okay. Because yeah. oh. that's what you want, you know, a mini cup that comes from out of your pocket covered in dirt and what have you yeah i was thinking that mm. pour my espresso out of my lint covered iphone case yeah. but i found a reddit a reddit user who's pointed out that you don't need the cup because if you kickstart this then you're a mug so all you needed to do is pour <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is a pretty good zing yeah gotta say oh well, i can't get it anyway it's not available for my pixel oh <sighs> Is it mm. not? Is it just the Samsung? You think it's, Samsung would be staying as far away from heating things close to the phone yes. as they possibly yeah. could? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess I it's don't not think they have them. much choice, do they? No. I don't think they'd be able to dictate yeah. what yeah, I've got who a, makes a case for their phone. No, I suppose not, but it looks like that problem's been sorted for yeah. them anyway, so well, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> I think it got four and a half or uh, 4.3 thousand uh, euros out of its 75,000 euro goal before whatever happened to it happened <laughs> to it so if they don't do it someone else will this is just kind of me forewarning you that at some point in the future someone else is going to endeavor to do this and it's yeah. going to happen so get ready for that okay right well i think that's everything everything i've got to say uh, dom thank you very much for joining us 
Thanks for having me. You can find Dom on Twitter. It's uh, at underscore the chief underscore. Have I got that right? Yep. Yeah. So stay good to keep up with his development of his various projects. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Well, yeah. I think you are the <laughs> longest standing podcast guest with four appearances. So is next four, time, you, is it? Yeah. I think okay. so. I didn't. I didn't do the maths, but yeah. we'll give you a certificate <laughs> next time. Yeah. Anyway, however, however many it is. Mm. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, our Twitter handle is at Unraveling Tech. If you want to get in touch with us, you can also email us at podcast.unravelingtechnology.co.uk. And we've got the blog, which is unraveling.technology, with lots of articles about IT and various IT things on there. And leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already, or whatever podcasting app or service you use. But anyway, from me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, and Dom Harris, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye.